Welcome back to The Property Management Show, where we deep dive into property management and entrepreneurship. Your hosts are Marie Tepman and Brittany Jones, formerly Stevens, and we are both from 4.5 Marketing Agency. Since 2012, 4.5 has helped hundreds of property managers like you get more owner leads through digital marketing. Whether you need help with a website, social media, SEO, online reputation, video and blog content, or pay-per-click advertising like Google Ads, we can do it all. Visit 4 to get your business growing today. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F dot com. So we recently had a conversation with Ray Hespin, the CEO of Property Meld and also its co-founder. Now, in typical fashion, we talked so much and covered a lot of ground that we had to split this interview into two episodes. And so this is part one, where we talk about what maintenance analytics is, why it's important, and most importantly, what it can do for a property management business. Let's go ahead and listen to the interview. Ray, welcome back to the show for, I think, your seventh episode. Thank you. So you've done the math. How many times have I been on this show? This is your seventh time. You're a veteran. Gosh, dang. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. You get me on for seven times, but really thrilled to be back, by the way, Marie, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Well, technically, technically, we've had you for less, but our conversations typically go like long and like we go into so much stuff that we end up slipping as um cutting the episodes into halves because there's just so much per conversation so that might happen in this episode too who knows my my mom always said i like to talk a lot so you're basically just validating her we're not gonna we're not gonna share this with her then no 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 be right no or maybe i could just like do this excerpt, send it to Drea, and then she can do Oh, it. no. I'm going to track your mom down and send her all. Oh, please videos. don't. Maybe we can make like a montage or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a good idea. Thinking outside the box, Brittany. <laughs> please don't. I will. Great. Well, Ray, you know, I know that you and your team have been very busy this year. Do you, do you want to kind of share a little bit about what you guys have been working on? Uh, yeah, I think one of the things uh, that we're super thrilled about is, you know, the industry is continuing to evolve into like this more sophisticated nature of like how to run maintenance operations. And one of those things um, that everybody is just craving for is more and more information to make data driven decisions as opposed to gut feel, qualitative analysis. Like how do we make uh, decisions based on quantitative or, or numerically driven? And then how do we keep doing that throughout the entire year, multiple years to, to move a needle as an organization. And so one of the things we've been really thrilled about, we collect data, anonymized data on, you know, hundreds of thousands of maintenance units, millions of service issues. And so we're actually very close to starting to surface that information um, that I think is going to completely transform how people uh, run the maintenance part of their business in property management, which we're super excited about. That's really exciting. And I know one of the phrases or terms that your team has been using is maintenance analytics, which sounds very technical. Yeah. And so to our listeners <clears throat> who may not have an inkling as to like what exactly that means, can you 
kind of unpack that a little bit? Well, m marketing comes up with like the cool uh, words for what we call things, but um, but basically what what uh, maintenance analytics, maintenance insights, as we also call it, admittedly, I don't even know what it's called. I should. Um, it's dropping soon. Um, is this concept of allowing any operator to, at a pretty granular level, understand how they're doing on their ladder of maintenance excellence. So if you've seen us before, we've talked about this concept of like, how do you think about maintenance? One thing has to happen before the next one and so on. And so we've got, we're going to start providing pretty immense visibility into a maintenance operation. How's my communication, my organization, how's my scheduling efficiency, how's my, uh, staffing efficiency, how's my preventative. And so we're starting to actually surface some of the information we've been collecting over the years. So we've got a new product coming out. Uh, that's going to be broadly available to our customer base um, with even further stuff coming down the road to being like, um, if you want to get really into the weeds and say, I want to move this particular KPI that's super important in my business. I need to know how do I need to engage my vendors better? How do I need to engage my technicians? How do I need to engage my coordinators? It allows you to like really deep dive to have a very pointed plan of attack about improving, you know, basically your and so that's, um, think about it as, you know, if you were to go into your bank account and go, uh, what am I spending all my money on? You know, have you ever been part of your bank account and it's like, oh, you're going to this much rent, this much is in gasoline, this much is at brunch, mm -hmm. you know, and you sit there and go, I really need to cut down my brunch budget without having that visibility or insights into your spending. It makes it very difficult to make decisions. So we're basically bringing that. Uh, to the maintenance world for property management. That's really interesting. And what r I really latched on to this when I first heard about it was the the ability for business owners to make data-driven decisions because a lot of other industries have, you know, kind of figured this out, like using data to inform decisions. And it's really exciting that this is about to happen for property management. And so I kind of want to talk a little bit more about like analytics and the different types of analytics, um, because I feel like analytics is such a big word and it can actually mean different things and it can help yeah. you do different things depending on what kind of data you have. So I like to think of it as like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So at the very bottom, we have like descriptive analytics, which is, you know, you just monitor what's going on and then it goes up to like diagnostic to predictive to prescriptive prescriptive is like the self-actualization where the data literally just doesn't present itself it literally says okay you do this right so from mm -hmm. the very bottom of like hey this is what's going on to the top which is like okay given everything all the data this is what you should do business owner like where is the property management industry now so what's a so super good question. I really like that. I wrote that down. Descriptive, diagnostic, predictive, and prescriptive, which I think is really great. Um, the way that we probably tend to look at insights is you start with lagging. Everybody's familiar with lagging. Oh, like my lease renewal rate is or a lagging indicator, or my resident satisfaction is a lagging indicator, right? Those are lagging. But there's things that'll actually tell you if it's getting, if it's going good or going poorly or go, what are those numbers going to do? And those are leading indicators. 
And then there's behaviors, like ultimately what behaviors can you do to basically give you a good leading, which will give you a good life. Um, so I look at it a little bit differently, but in property management maintenance, I think we've gotten really honed in on what are really good lagging indicators. So speed of repair is a big one. It's a big one for resident satisfaction. It's a good indicator for vendors, vendor uh, sourcing. It's a big indicator for a lot of reasons. Resident sat is another one. Um, we've actually got what we're starting to come up with, which is like a vendor health score, like how good are your vendors doing, tech utilization rate, and then your annual spend per unit in maintenance annually. And all those are really good indicators around quality and efficiency. And so these are the big ones we're starting to manage and track and say, you now have this information to like start looking at this. And then what we do is then we focus on analytics and insights and be like, what are all the leading indicators that contribute to those big ones, right? So if I'm somebody and I'm trying to talk to my maintenance coordinator and I'm sitting there going, maintenance coordinator, <clears throat> I need you to get my speed of repair down from this number to this number. What does a maintenance coordinator do? So you have to get numbers and metrics that says, how's your communication? How's your scheduling? What's the breakdown? Where's it breaking down at? And like be able to say, ah, in order to get my speed to repair down, I need to get my speed to assign to a better spot because it's killing. So those leading indicators are what we start to funnel down throughout our insights and analytics. And again, without geeking out too hard, um, the, the ability to sit there and go, all right, um, which vendors am I really strong in? Do I need more handyman, plumbers, uh, uh, you know, other HVAC techs? Um, whatever that might be, to be able to do, do it granularly. So we look at it as these big lagging and then leading metrics is what we're ultimately doing. But um, uh, it's kind of the over, over view of it all. Yeah, so it sounds a lot like the lagging indicators are kind of like the descriptive. They just tell you like, okay, well, this is the, you know, like the speed of the repairs. But then um, what you were saying is like, right, the leading indicators kind of like, help you identify what's going on higher up the like the river right so i would so it's like more of like okay what's going to happen in the future if this is happening right now so those are more like the predictive ones um but then out of curiosity would you say that every single property management company has the same suite or set of lagging indication indicators that they should look at and leading indicators that are connected to those lagging indicators? So by and large, if you think about property management, our job is to drive NOI, right? Like, so, you know, if we think about it, we bring somebody on, whether they were third party or whether we manage our own assets, our job is to drive a return on that rental property really well. There's only two ways you can do it. You can bring in rent and make sure that that's optimized and there's going to be costs associated with the property and your job is to keep those down. And so, yeah, those five indicators are all pretty good indicators to say, hey, how are we doing at keeping our residents happy and the renewals going? And how good are we at keeping our costs low? Um, so I would say by and large, yes. The biggest challenge has historically been, Marie and uh, Brittany, has been around figuring out what leading indicators impact what lagging. I'll even tell you, it probably wasn't even that long ago, two to three years ago, I, I think we were the ones that really came out and created the strongest correlation between speed of repair and resident satisfaction from like an analytical standpoint. 
And to us, that was a pretty big breakthrough because we had a lot of people in the industry going, it's about personal touch. It's about how you answer the phone. It's about this. It's like, I'd love to say it's about any of that, but residents just actually want their stuff fixed. Mm -hmm. And so then you had to start going through and going, well, what else impacts speed of repair? What impacts my invoice prices? What impacts my owner retention? What impacts this? And so we've spent a lot of years actually just trying to figure out what are the right metrics to go and, and say these are true leading that our customers can really jump into and move ultimately to make their business really solid. And so I think that's been what a lot of the, the work has been and most likely will continue to be because there's so many oddities in data um, that make you sit there and kind of scratch your chin a little bit and go, hmm, what is, why, why is this impacting this? But I think historically, the industry hasn't had a lot of data to ultimately even start the conversation about what impacts what. It's interesting. So you mentioned that the lagging indicators, you know, given that most property management companies are kind of exist to deliver NOI to their uh, owners, you know, these um, lagging indicators that you mentioned are pretty core, but that the challenge is identifying what uh, leading indicators affect that. Are there kind of core leading indicators that you've observed, um, you know, consistently affect the lagging indicators that you mentioned? Yeah. So I'll even go to a weird one. There's, there's, uh, there were customers when we were first talking about like annual maintenance spend per unit. And there was a lot of confusion around that's like institutional owner operator stuff. Like, why would we care about that metric? But we have around half a million units on our platform and around 275,000 investors and owners. And so we were able to even like, like look at landlord investors, you know, owning one between one and four properties. And the strongest correlation came down to maintenance spend per unit. Like, um, and as a percentage of rent roll, like it starts to become a big deal that if a customer wants to hang on to investors longer, you have to find a way to keep maintenance costs down. So in a very, very weird, sick way, maintenance spend per unit is a lagging, but it's also a leading for owner retention, which is why it's on there, right? It's important for those institutional or people that are owner operators, but it's also really important for those that serve as a client base. Um, there's very strong statistical correlations to that. And, and we've done some uh, podcasts and stuff on that. But so you go in like further down the rabbit hole and like, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some, some ones that I feel like are, are pretty strong correlations. So, um, really good leading indicators to speed repair is understanding how long it takes you from the time you were given a work request to the time you assign it, how fast from the time you assign it to time you schedule, schedule the completion. Um, all those things, like it's a huge black box. If you don't know where the process is breaking down to sit there and go, Here's industry best practice. Here's industry standard. By the way, yours is triple that length. That is a great way that you can have a meaningful impact on a metric or a leading indicator that ultimately is going to anticipate your speed of repair. I don't know if that's geeking out too hard on it, but as an example. No, that's really good. I think when there it's an inside a black box, it's easy to blame. Well, it was a long weekend. I couldn't get a tech out, you know? And then it's like, <clears throat> oh, but like outside of that, it was still delayed by a week 
in addition to the long weekend, mm-hmm. stuff like that, that kind of add up, but it's not visible to you because you're not actually tracking the number. It's interesting. Right. Or it's the opposite, right? Where stuff's getting done super quickly, but they're not tracking it properly. Yeah. It, and we've kind of, we've kind of got a, uh, a way to that. Um, we kind of looked at this, right? Cause like, how do you visualize data to drive action? So I'll start like very high level fundamentals, like in, in how we think about information. The first, the first job of data is to, uh, motivate, like, do I need to get better or, or focus on this thing or not, or I'm winning and I need motivation, right? The second one is correlating cause and effect relationships. So which things impact what things? That's the second job of data. And third da- third job of data in this order is to be accurate. It's obviously important, but a lot of people think accurate data is the key. It's like, no, you have to like motivate. You have to show correlations and then be accurate. I'm not saying don't be accurate. But... So whenever we were looking at this information, like we were sitting there saying like, all right, there's a ton of information here. We want our customers to be able to take action to drive the, uh, drive for, for results. And so um, as you look at anything or any piece of data, it's one, is this good or bad? Like um, it's really interesting. We've got, you know, f- some financial metrics that we're starting to surface. And what's crazy is, We'll have our customers get beat up by say an institutional investor back. Why'd you pay this much for that? And it's like, what information do you even have to say if that's good or bad? You know, what's going up. It costs money. everything in the market's going up. So that's why. <clears throat> yeah, here it is. And so if people don't know if it's good or bad, yeah, exactly. Uh, if you don't know what's good or bad, then you have no leg to stand on to like have a conversation about why is a hot water heater costing max, right? Is this good or bad? The second one, is it getting better or worse? Um, so are you trending in the right direction, right? Because if we make changes in any of our business, we don't have to see it immediately fixed. We just have to know we're going in the right direction. And the third one, is it get, is it, how quickly is it changing, right? And the analogy that I uh, use, and I'm going to give bad analogies throughout this, but if you think about, how much fuel you have in the gas tank of a vehicle, assuming you're not, and maybe, uh, or, or charging your battery if you drive electric. Um, that tells you like, all right, here's my, here's how much I have. I have 73% battery or 73% of my gas tank fill. The next piece that's really important is like, how fast are you consuming fuel or energy? And the reality is, right, like if it's going bad very quickly and say you're starting to drain 10% of your battery every minute, and I'm giving a terrible example, that means pump the brake, something's drastically wrong. I need to find a, uh, a, a charging station now. Uh, but if you don't have that piece of information, then you can sit there and drive and run on the side of the road and uh, rely on somebody to pull you to safety. So that's why those three kind of ways of looking at information are really important because without are you doing good or are you doing bad? Is it getting better or worse? And how quickly is it getting better or worse? It makes it very difficult to anticipate problems or what's what do you need to focus on as a business owner um, that's going to bite you in the rear even a month from now? I really like um, that th- those three little tidbits about like how you should look at data. Um, and it's just a really good segue to my next question. So collecting data is... Um, is something that everyone keeps talking about. Like, oh, are you collecting this, collecting that? But it's it, it's useless. 
if you're not planning to act on the information. And so what do you think are the most common reasons property management company owners or business owners in general um, are having that prevents them to, from acting on data that they may already have? So I'll start out by saying your data is only as good if you're like for like comparing with other data from somebody else. Like, cause, cause the whole thing is right. If I sit there and say, my invoice prices are really good, but let's say I'm not factoring in labor because I've decided to do that for some reason and say my average hot water heater costs are really low, but you talk to somebody else and be like, wow, mine are a lot higher. And there's no way to actually, you have to like for like data comparison. And that's one of the biggest challenges. Everybody has to measure it the same way or else it becomes useless. Because again, good or bad, you don't know um, if it is good or bad. So one of the biggest challenges has been an agreed to uh, process in what people define as information. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, uh, if I ask an operator, what's their turnover time? I will get varying degrees of answers purely on what they define as the turnover time. Is it the time where a renter is moved out? Is it the time when the turnover process starts? Does it end when the turnover process is complete? Does it end when the, the renter is in the unit and a post-movement inspection is complete? And so the biggest challenge historically has been nobody's agreed to definitions and is not collecting data and sharing data in that specific way. And so that's one of the unique things about property meld is because we've automated a lot of things. And so we've autom automated a lot of the data collection that is like for like with customers. And so it becomes easy to be able to do that. But that's one of the biggest challenges um, to being able to review your own data is if your numbers aren't measured or captured or documented in the same way, again, if you don't know if it's good or bad, um, you don't like, what do you do? So anyways, kind of the, that's one of the largest challenges of data in property management right now, definitions and capturing. I think that's a really great analogy because, you know, back in say 2017, even profitability in property management was poorly understood. Right. And it took for Daniel Craig to kind of mm -hmm. be like, Hey, everyone's defining profitability differently. And then you have business owners saying like, I'm making bank on property management, but actually they're mingling real estate profitability and property management profitability and thinking it's my profitability. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they don't give themselves a salary. So they're super profitable. But then when you put every company through the same filter, then it became obvious like, oh, people weren't as profitable as they thought. Or like, hey, you know, like, you're not supposed to commingle the two sides of your business because then how do you know if you're losing money in one? And it's really interesting because it's like it took like so long to even agree mm -hmm. for people to agree to be like, hey, maybe we should have accounting standards so we can all kind of compare apples to apples. And so only now is it starting to happen, yeah. I guess, in maintenance. Yeah. And that's a perfect analogy. And accounting has been around since I don't even know how long, but like the Romans... We're doing accounting like we haven't reinvented the wheel like just standardizing is such a big delta 
that now imagine people haven't been capturing it before and they're trying to standardize. It makes for a very large mountain to climb to say, hey, this information is all there. And kind of the last thing to, to your question, your original question about like data and like that we actually spent more time figuring out what things are not valuable and like we had to find ways to chop stuff. Too many, there's too much information and what to focus on becomes really important. I think that's one of the other challenges that people have is if you don't have enough data to build cause and effect relationships, you can just surface a million things and nothing tells you anything. You don't have a maintenance coordinator focusing in this area. You don't have a, a broker owner doesn't know if one's red and one's green, which one actually matters. Um, and that's the other, that's the other challenge with data and a lot of it. That's really good insight. Um... And as you mentioned earlier, right, like in your um, in one of the the stuff that you talked about, about what the job is of data, you said first is to motivate. The second is to find correlations, uh, cause and effect. And the third is to be accurate. And accuracy is the third because it's so easy to get caught up in perfection, being perfectionistic with your data. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I need to make sure I capture all the data. I need to make sure that every single piece of data is living here without even a plan for what you're going to use it for, right? And so you end up not actually doing anything with it because you're just so gung-ho and getting the perfect data. When you could have just collected five pieces of data, but then you were gung-ho about collecting the 50 that you could have. So I'll tell you, as much as I'd love to say I came up with those three, I didn't. No. Uh, there's a great oh, podcast okay. out. It's called Correlations of Human Behavior and Data. And they actually demonstrated this by, if you think about a scale at home, remember Americans were very used to being like, I'm going to sit there and go on New Year's Day resolutions. All right, I got, you know, the COVID five or whatever. And so we're sitting there going, but they actually did studies where they actually took the number away because the scale is highly accurate, but it doesn't actually tell you if you're doing a good job or not. And if you're getting better, it just tells you a number. And so now they did a scale ultimately where instead of showing you a number, they would do a trend because the body fluctuates. And it would say either you're going down quickly, you're going down a little bit, you're breaking even, you're going up or you're going up a lot. And they would actually have that scale. And I forget what it was, that scale would end up prompt to, here's the behaviors that are driving that. And the people that had the scale that didn't tell them the number actually lost more weight in the case study because they knew how to move the weight and they knew that the number was getting better. And so they eliminated accuracy of data completely from that scenario. And ultimately people got the results that they wanted out of it. And so, um, so anyways, kind of as an example uh, to the point there, the number isn't as special as what do you do with it? Is it good or bad? And is how do you move it? Then it is the perfection of the number. I really like that. And thank you for, you know, sharing the source so our listeners can check out the full podcast and geek out if they want to. Um, and then, you know, speaking of like data and analytics, um, you know, I understand that it's it's very important to understand like the data, but I also understand that like action is important. So I know in my eight plus years of like working in, you know, property management, marketing, helping you know, property managers create content, you know, they always talk about preventative maintenance. And I know that, you know, property meld is also mm -hmm. big on preventive maintenance. So how does marketing analytics, marketing insights affect preventative maintenance and how it's done or when it's done? 
So, uh, so I'll first start out by preventative maintenance should impact one number, which is the annual maintenance spend per unit. And it should also impact resident satisfaction. So again, if you think about the top two, if you do it well, residents are happier because less stuff is breaking or they're without their air conditioning or they're with their air conditioning more. So that's one. And the annual maintenance spend per unit goes down because if you're doing preventative programs effectively, that means you're actually having a meaningful impact on the returns. So again, kind of tying it back in, um, the correlation between good preventative programs and impacting those two is again, uh, the ability to have information of the efficacy of those programs. We're obviously big proponents of it, you know, gutter cleanings, uh, semi-annual HVAC inspections, semi-annual rent, you know, inspections and all those things, but you should ultimately see a result from those programs and the annual maintenance spend per unit on like for like units. So. So that all being said, there's visibility into the efficacy of your programs. And what's really important, the most important thing is your customers, the property managers, owners should know the efficacy of that program. Um, we know in our industry, the biggest reason why we haven't gotten adoption and say like IOT things like we know renters like it, all that, but it's like, oh, it's an investment. We lack the data to show hey, if you do this, here's what happens. And I wouldn't blame an investor for being skeptical. Like, why would I invest 300 bucks, 400 bucks? Why would I spend 150? But if you make it a math equation and be like, hey, listen, I'm not saying this is going to be your result, but by doing this, you're going to reduce the cost of a failure by 70% this year. And that's statistically 275 bucks by investing 100 bucks and your renter's happier. Okay, this is a no-brainer. And so that's that's the power of insights in combination with preventative programs that make it really compelling and are ultimately going to lead this industry towards being a much more preventative and predictive group rather than just, come on, we're selling a service. We hope that you believe the values there. And we hope that you're associating preventative with other things in your life to being important in maintenance, to being like, here's the case for it for your particular scenario. Um, or why preventative is so important. I really love that. And as you were talking about that, I was even thinking, you know, marketing hat, <laughs> um, you know, property managers, when they talk to prospective owners, I feel like they also need to kind of prove to the owners, like if you hire a professional property manager like me, this will happen. If you don't, mm -hmm. this other thing will happen. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, why do you need a professional property manager? And then you can list all these things, but if you can show them the data that like, you know, mm -hmm. properties that are managed by a professional like ours, so the properties we manage have this many days on market versus self-managed homes in our area. Like things like that can make it not be an, an opinion fight, but a data fight. And it's like, well, What's yes. your data to say that you're better at managing it than me? So yeah. Like that. I, do you know the best, the best people that sell data and statistics are insurance people, right? Um, you know, especially if you go life insurance, life insurance is a great one because it's an emotional one, right? You don't have to have it. You're not legally compelled to do it. You just should do it. But all they got to do is sit there and go, how old are you? Oh, interesting. And are you a sole proprietor? You think, do you know that there is a one in whatever, and that chance goes up every year? What would happen in that event? Right. And it's data and information. And then all they got to do is 
give you a line to sign, but they've got information to say it's not impossible. It's actually a very real possibility. And here's the numbers behind that to where you as a consumer can make like a really good decision rather than us living in our ultimate optimistic minds that think no, nothing will ever happen to me. Health insurance uh, folks are, or life insurance folks, excuse me, are incredible uh, at this. But, and you think about most of your other buying stuff, um, we tend to have information to inform us. If we sit there and look at uh, homes, right? If we just look at a thing, like we everybody's got Zillow and Zestimates and like how the appreciation happen and whatever. Like the ability to have information to make a decision on spending more or less, um, we're used to having in other parts of our lives. So owners and investors um, require something similar. I love that. Kind of simplify the decision-making process for them by not just relying on pure emotion because emotion is always going to be there, right? And then when we don't, so the thing is like, it's psychology, when there is something that we humans don't understand, our brain is scared. And so like the worst of us kind of gets in the way of making good decisions, right? Um, and so if you can present yeah. data, then it kind of like calms our, us down because it convinces us that like, well, I didn't make a knee-jerk reaction. I didn't just do a gut feel. Like I considered the data and I made a decision. It's It's kind of like, um, what Brittany and I always talk about when it comes to reputation, it's like in the absence of like full understanding of what property managers do, like people are going to try to pick a property manager based on the data that they understand, which is stars and price. So it's yeah. kind of like the, the same concept. It's like if we can mm -hmm. provide additional data, then you're like, well, I guess I'll go with that guy, that uh, that woman. Yeah. Yeah. Make it easy. Make it easy for them to make a decision, right? Okay, so we'll stop right there and save the rest for part two. But just to give you a little teaser, part two will cover the current shortage that we're having with tradespeople, how that is affecting NOI, and what property managers like you can do about it. As a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we have helped hundreds of property managers like you grow their businesses by getting more owner leads from digital marketing. Whether you need help with a website, SEO, social media, video and blog content, online reputation, paid advertising like Google Ads, you name it, we can do it. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more and get started on growth today. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. If you have any feedback or questions or suggestions, go ahead and email marketing at fourandhalf.com so that we can hear from you. And if you're liking this show, go ahead, show us some love by leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. Thank you and see you next time for part two.